I just wanna have peace Pay for the bill, let them take my car, never see the receipt Good health, we prize, but everybody around prosperity What's up guys and welcome to the Live Better Podcast This is your host Jay Ciano and this is the show for people trying to optimize every area of their life Let's go I just wanna have peace all right, guys, so I am super excited for today's guest, a homie, a client of Sabre. Today we have the CEO and co-founder at Open, Ride Kawaja. Ride has an amazing background working for software companies, many other very large companies. He has a degree in computer science from Stanford University. We're going to talk about all the things just living better today than we were yesterday. Let's kick it in with Ride Kawaja. Welcome to the show. Very happy to be here, Jay. I'm, Just I'm happy to have you, man. Yeah. An excuse to, t- to spend time together. That's how exactly. I exactly. <laughs> I wish it was in person, but you know, soon enough, soon enough. So, so for the listeners, give a little yeah. background. I, I think I'm going to learn some stuff about you uh, as a result of this, which is exciting. But give a little background on yourself uh, and how you got to open and, and the concept, but start from the top. The very top. The very top. I was born in Rush Hospital in Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> uh, to a wonderful family, uh, one sister and two wonderful parents. And yeah, I grew up with abundance. I wasn't a very lavish upbringing, um, but I was never left wanting for anything either. Um, and there were always hugs to go around. So I feel very lucky um, in that way. I guess also notably, if we're starting from the top, I, I'm uh, ethnically Pakistani. Both my parents are Kashmiri and Pakistani. And so um, my mom felt it was very important that I had some intimacy with the Madri Zaban or the mother tongue. And so I was cutting a lot of laps over the summers with back to Pakistan, which... Um, yeah, it's been kind of invaluable in how I see the world uh, from a very young age. I was seeing life uh, from a very different perspective uh, than that kind of, you know, middle class West suburban upbringing that I got in Chicago. Sure. Illinois. Um, so I feel really lucky in that way as well. But yeah, I grew up um, playing all the sports, distracted by all the things. Um, I think curious, like everyone, and I'm putzing about with ideas of who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be. Um, and I think like a lot of people couldn't really answer it right away. So I started to play a very long game of process of elimination. And, um, you know, I guess my earliest memory was we had a job shadowing uh, day that was designed by the high school or the junior high, I was still pretty young. And I went and shadowed my uncle, who's a ICU doctor, a pulmonologist in specialty. And um, a very young woman that day uh, came in and, and died on, on, upon landing. Wow. Um, it, was, it was pretty devastating. Um, but yeah, pretty clarifying to me too that that, that wasn't what I wanted to <laughs> Did, did you go into that experience, maybe, you know, not knowing if that was something you would consider in life? And then as a result yeah. of that experience, like, no, this is not for this me. Isn't, this isn't it. This is very yeah. honorable, um, but very devastating. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's right. I think yeah. growing up a South Asian American, uh, first year, first generation <laughs> immigrant, uh, there's a a decent bit of uh, preloaded software, if you will, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> that uh, being a physician or a lawyer or some sort of, you know, something that would require uh, more school and more letters at the end of your name um, sure. should be considered before anything else. But um, more kind of, but telling that story to represent kind of, you know, I, like many others, maybe everyone you know, having these deep questions early on, like, okay, what is it? What is it that I'm going to spend my life on working on? And um, was, you know, a pretty passionate person. So it really did have that weight. Like, what, what is it going to be? What is, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, 
people so selfish. They kind of feel you're also a lot. I think you question a lot more than most, right? Like you're very analytical and thoughtful, which is a great thing. I think, you know, I think when we spend time together, we ask a lot of questions. We're always like seeking, um, just, you know, seeking answers to things that are on our mind. And I think you explore those things. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that you were doing that at a young age. Yeah. And continued on, uh, you know, in college, you know, so the more of the meandering was everything from, um, working on a men's, I was like 18, 19 years old and helping a friend start a men's skincare line from scratch. That's Um, cool. He was a bit older. Yeah. Uh, he went on to keep working on it, did some financy things, banking, you know, looked up, said, that's not the job. I don't want that job, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Uh, um, again, nothing wrong with it. Just didn't feel the heartbeat coming back on it. Uh, got out of college, worked for huge companies, uh, CPG, retail mostly. You didn't mention where you went to college. Oh, I went to DePaul in Chicago, Illinois. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it was a rich experience. I didn't spend a lot of time at the university, frankly, but and now that I've heard about all these people who dropped out and had such wildly successful careers ahead of them, I'm like, why did I I was just grinding to be honest. The last yeah. year for sure, I was just doing it because I felt like I had to do it. But pretty much 2 years in, I was like, okay. I I was working a lot. I started I wanted to get out there in the world. I wanted to start doing the things um, and had this tremendous opportunity with PepsiCo out of college where uh, it's one of those rotation programs and uh, you get, you know, kind of broad exposure to different parts of the organization and they move you around too. So um, did that, lived all over the, pl- all over the place, Atlanta, Miami, lived in Northwest Arkansas for just under 12 months. Maybe yeah, had, 10 to be, months. had to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was awesome. Frankly, I was, the job was more analyst oriented and you, you support, you know, the Walmart does an amazing job of this. They have incredible relationships with their supplier community. And so, um, there's a decent bit of talent sharing that happens. And so I was at the intersection of, you know, two behemoth businesses, um, operating a global businesses and were you in bentonville then i was in bentonville yeah yeah yeah. that's a really interesting place so interesting yeah and truly just like a heart of gold people and and yeah just have many fond memories of the people but also the work as a certified nerd having (laughs) your hands on that much data at Mm -hmm. once between all those companies and I was really in the weeds of it. And what what would you say like was one of the, the biggest like things that landed on your brain as a result of that experience that you've carried forward that like really shaped how you look at, you know, business as a result of that experience? Yeah, I think tactically I would answer because I was a spreadsheet jockey at the time, tactically um, developed a knack for, looking at the data and developing a hypothesis early on what is actually worth spending time on. Uh, I remember presenting um, things to work on to senior leaders and they're like, well, that's just going to be, there's maybe five, $10 million (laughs) upside there. Uh, It's not really moving the needle. That, yeah, we do like ten billion in net revenue here um, <laughs> on on this business. So yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think I developed a real good um, kind of uh, fluency with data, and then um, thinking through you know how to invest time in things that can really make a big impact. At um, that point in your life, were you focused on living a healthy lifestyle? And, and overall wellness, or were you just so stuck, you know, looking at numbers, crunching numbers all day that you were maybe <laughs> not so healthy? No, I was, I was, I had the Aquafina in every meaning. Um, <laughs> that's Pepsi, Pepsi's water. Sure. I, had, I was hitting the gym pretty hard. I was hiking, I was cycling, 
Um, I like that we're really pinpointing in that moment in time in yeah. Arkansas in particular. Um, but yeah, I had, I was just living in Miami the year before, which is a huge um, fitness culture. So I was riding off the waves of that really. But no, cool. I was an athlete growing up and I was still in that. And that there was some dissonance for what it's worth and um, in terms of kind of what the product portfolio was that I was working around and maybe what I was consuming every day. But yeah, uh, again, just worked with a, a ton of great people and uh, a lot of people who invested a lot in me and spent extra time very selflessly um, because I was kind of like that annoying kid coming to your desk every couple hours <laughs> and <laughs> asking something that maybe I could have figured out if I spent a couple hours more on it myself. But uh, but got a lot of help. But I, th to answer it on the other side, maybe more the macro of what I learned there um, and really through all of those experiences, because I, I kept working for like Walmart, Amazon, um, the PepsiCo's of the world for just a little bit more. And it really was around just seeing brand and distribution at play. Um, there were, you know, there weren't, it wasn't all tailwinds when it came to consumer preferences um, and some of the portfolios I was engaging with, but um, the brands I was working with, um, PepsiCo alone, I think has over $23 billion brands on a multinational level. It's crazy. Um, and so just incredible brand equity and uh, awareness and investment that's been made, you know, for generations now. Um, so seeing that be combined with power, like powerful distribution networks and supply chain, um, where it's truly ubiquitous. Um, I think that, yeah, the, the whole experience of working across all those places really opened my eyes to how powerful those two things can be together. Okay. If you make it widely accessible and you develop an incredible brand yeah, um, that can speak to not a niche, not just the cool kids, but to the, the masses, the masses. Yeah. Um, then you can really push pallets. You can really push product. You can really push ideas. You can really push culture. So, so where did you go from there? What was the, what was the next season for you? The next season was, uh, it was batting between, New York or San Francisco for the next role. Um, big CBG in retail right around then was uh, not discovering the internet. I wouldn't put it in that in those hardship terms, but um, just to geek out on kind of CPG for a second, there was like the first wave of food and beverage online and really grocery home delivery. And that was like early thousands. 2000s there's things like web vans and things like that i don't know if you remember all that i do yeah there, for was sure. kind of an, there was an honest attempt and yeah uh, in new york just, city we had urban fetch which was okay. like one of the yeah yeah they, so it was just one of those timing things sure. um this that wasn't the cycle i was there for the second cycle when uh all the big dogs were really committed to it as well and so uh yeah, the really sophisticated players in the space, they were talking about not, hey, what is, uh, the less sophisticated players were saying, what proportion of this business will be e-commerce? And let me proportionally assign resources <laughs> to uh, build out an e-commerce channel. Um, and then the really sophisticated players were seeing this as another way to meet the consumer where they're at in their journey. And I was kind of at the intersection of that becoming. So, you know, tens of thousands, I don't know, probably more um, items came online and those items started being delivered at home. And uh, those items started to be marketed for the first time, really in jest on banner ads and, uh, you know, attribution driven um, performance marketing. So. That was kind of the next chapter. So move to the Bay Area. Like CPC, cost per click, all CPM, that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Yeah. And it was still being defined, really. It was yeah. 
and even if it was defined, uh, it was the Wild West. Everyone was defining it in their own way. So totally, a big a big part of my job was to get a lot of that stuff online and then suss out kind of uh, foundationally uh, how we're going to market this and what are the right way. You know, what are the most powerful ways to do that? So moved to San Francisco to. Uh, work more intimately on that. Walmart had an office out there, and um, PepsiCo was standing one up. So, um, yeah. So that that's it. And then I uh, spent some so now time. Now you're dipping into that. Silicon Valley. Yes, yes, yes. Head first. Head first, and you know, grew up on consumer electronics. So it was kind of, and you know, grew up with my dad coming home with his ThinkPad in the mid '90s, <laughs> and um, so definitely I'm not the iPad generation, but I'm definitely the PC generation. And so was always having my own consumer relationship with it, but here was this opportunity and I was really excited. Um, as in everything I just said in that, that next phase, it was about coming online and it was yeah. finally kind of engaging with technology in a way. Um, and so I was really excited to endeavor in that and excited to land in the Bay area. And, you know, it's funny you talked to, well, maybe not now. Uh, I don't think anyone's saying this is San Francisco's heyday right now, but <laughs> there's definitely been, uh, you know, a couple waves of, oh, that was the heyday in the Bay Area. I felt like I lived out uh, one of those heydays. It was just such a, such an exciting time. There was, it was this kind of post 2008, um, you know, banking and consulting as your obvious, if you're a highly pedigreed, you know, accomplished student coming out of college, you were, you know, there was, it seemed like two obvious things to do. It was like banking or consulting. Maybe there's a couple other, um, at least in the business side and tech started to be a, like a real option. And, um, and so it the, just the density of bright minds as sure. As, somebody who just loves being the dumbest person in the room. Um, it was exciting to land in San Francisco around, I don't know, probably 2015 or 2010. Crazy uh, stuff going on at that time in the space. It had to oh, be. Insane. Yeah. yeah. And venture capital, you know, more and more funds were being raised and the talent was there and it was fun. And there were parties. There were, it was exciting. It was yeah. a fun time in San Francisco. So I was there and, um, yeah, I eventually pulled the parachute and, you know, stopped going down the path of the kind of big company route and thought I was going to start a company right then. Went into a lot of fun things, a lot of kind of do good ideas. Um, and then I uh, met a gentleman by the name of Brad Oberwager and uh, he was working on a connecting a gig labor marketplace to CPG and retail. And I thought that, oh, this could be really cool. Um, at this point, I had realized I wanted to start a company. And at this point, I also had this, how, how would I describe it? Kind of caving in pressure of realizing that it would, I would probably be the CEO. <laughs> See, the first, the first part, it wasn't, there was a whole phase where I wanted to start a company, but I didn't really know who what role I would play um, and didn't really care. It was yeah. more about starting something from scratch and um, on this But you didn't necessarily see yourself like at the, at the helm of, of, of the, you know, being the CEO per se of the company that you were starting. Right. It really genuinely wasn't that for some time, but on this meandering journey, I just took us all through. I, uh, you, you start to not only do the process of elimination of what it is you want to work on, but you start to get to know yourself a little bit and sure. you start to see where you've been valuable <laughs> along the way. And, uh, you start to pattern match and start to understand what different roles do. Eventually I had this caving in. I literally remember, I don't remember the day or the, the time or anything like that or where I was, but I remember the feeling of sinking in like, Oh shit, I think you might need to do that. That one job, the worst job of them all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, Brad, uh, had started a few companies at this point and had 
some pretty amazing success. And so I, I, I was, I was pretty excited. I, I was going to leverage this domain knowledge that I had coming from this world, um, work on, you know, a venture back thing and, and work for someone who had done this role multiple times. And so it's kind of a dream role and backed me away from starting something then. Um, yeah. and I'm grateful that it happened that way. Cause those two years that I spent working on jive, working for Brad, working with that team, Sam, Cammy, James, all them there. It was, um, yeah, I, I learned a lot on, <laughs> on someone else's dime. Sorry, Brad. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, so that kind of, that kind of takes us to, and, and, and was that like the, was that a startup? that you, you, yeah. you joined and so you you basically were there for the first two years that the company existed yeah they were well they had been um the founders had been working on it but yeah i was one of the first hires yeah which i would out. imagine is pretty good experience too when you when your next season is actually starting your own company exactly yeah so you know i looking back, I was beating myself up about it and felt like I was making another excuse to not finally make the plunge, but procrastinating and, yeah. and you know, like not wanting to, again, maybe assume, accept the responsibility that you knew right. you were destined for. Right. I mean, at 19, as I said, I was working on something with a buddy and had, we, we yeah. hooked up something from the lab, literally um, developed a brand, developed hair care and skincare products at Zuki does that Beach. company still exist it does i believe yeah yeah it's called interesting yoku, yoku for men cool. um so that was happening but at the same time who knows i've ha i had a i had a ton of fun along the way i met incredible people i i learned i had i did my walkabouts too i i got hard skilled and trained in things that maybe i wouldn't have if i was out there just you know, trying to figure it out. And so I'm sure there's many permutations that would have been ones that I would have been happy with. And, and this is one of them for sure. Where does that lead us? I, leads us to 2018, uh, San Francisco and, um, it's time, I've, you know, no longer at Jive. And <laughs> I want to work on something. I think the journal entries were something like, um, leverage your, it, there was two of them profoundly. There's a, uh, what was it? Basically something along the lines of find your unfair advantages and leverage them. Okay. And then the second one was, and do that for some, putting out something good in the world. And it was really that simple. And I gave myself a lot of space to figure it out. I was, I had been a long time, a lifelong meditator in a way, um, and a long time uh, meditator in the way that I do it now. And I had pretty good skills of being able to, you know, kind of observe the situation and sit back and see myself in that way. And what I observed in myself is what I was really, I had spent at this point like 10 years. And if you count some of that early stuff, even longer working on things so pitted, so like curious and driven and ambitious and kind of heads down and just realized I needed to unwind a little bit if yeah. I was going to think with a truly open mind about what it is that I wanted to do next and, and what that was. And at some point, realize, you know, it was going to be top down or bottoms up. Top down would be, hey, I'm going to find this market opportunity. I'm going to, you know, McKinsey the fuck out of it, do a, a, a hardcore case study energy and evaluate if it's a good business opportunity. And then I'm going to wield my unfair advantages against it. Um, yeah. And even saying that out loud, you can kind of hear how that played out in my head at the time. And, you know, again, it's, and this is something, you know, I, I try to share as much as I can, because it was from this space of abundance. It was from this space of gratitude for the situation I was in. It was just from this space of awareness of how lucky I had been along the way. Um, the sense, this space of awareness that I'm sitting in 2015 or whatever it was at this point. Oh, I guess 2018 now in yeah. San Francisco in, in a heyday for sure. 
And, you know, it's from that space that we get to imagine kind of the wildest possibilities and, um, and the purest ones, I think, or at least that's an idea I want to put forward. And so I went bottoms up. I was like, Hey, what is, no, I'm not gonna, we'll see, you know, kind of the market opportunity, but first we're going to start from here. And it, the second thing I wrote down is goodness and bring goodness into the world. Okay. What is goodness to me? <laughs> like what, it, what does that actually even mean? And for, to me personally, um, and if at this point I had also kind of, I'd realized I wasn't going to be the guy that launched the next great B2B email software company. I, I knew it was going to be consumer driven. I knew it was going to be human driven. So it had to come from me. And that was something that, uh, I had to embrace, but it was kind of this conscious process and effort and experience that I'm, I'm uh, purposely dilating here because for, you know, I've seen time and again, and I know probably a lot of your listeners are folks that are in the same seat as me or, or about to be. Um, and a lot of my friends who have started companies have, uh, they kind of grapple with this phase, especially <laughs> for sure. Like, how, how much of it needs to be me and and how much of it needs to be validated by the market and how it, you know all these kind of more abstract questions so once you start stripping away you know trying to to focus on like not be distracted from maybe previous experiences and really taking this more holistic approach to trying to bring something to the world that is very much, um, you know, differentiated, unique, uh, a, a part of yourself. Like, how do you start developing the idea from the bottom up? Yeah, the idea came a little bit more, uh, you know, it's iterative is how it's really answered the question. I think yeah. a lot of the ways ideas are sold to people is um, sitting under a tree and an apple falling on someone's head. Um, but I think it's, uh, way more iterative than that. And if, even if you tried to pinpoint, ah, there, there it was, that was the idea. That's when it yeah, came. Yeah, yeah. No, of uh, course you, you have to kind of, it, it's more momentum and iteration yeah. along the way. Right. So you yep. set out, you're like, okay, th this is what I'm doing. Like at the, in the most initial stage, right. Yeah. Which looks very different than the finished product. Correct. And for me, it was this curiosity around meditation itself. Yeah. And realizing that I had gifted dozens, if not more, actually, I'm kind of holding back there of Headspace and Calm subscriptions. Sure. Yeah. You know, hey, download this app here. This one's free. Um, and time and time again, my friends uh, or people who I just met or, you know, literally anyone who would ask me why I was just sitting there with my eyes closed, just time and again, people didn't stick with it. Yeah, I knew it wasn't any one of those products themselves uh, to blame for what it's worth. I had even used some of those and leaned on them. Um, so it wasn't like, a oh, this app is not satisfying. It was even the initial inclination. It was actually this observation of, wow, this thing has, if, you know, this singular modality, this, this meditation thing has been so life changing. And I've seen maybe 1% of the people I recommend it to actually stick with it. Why is that? And so that's really kind of the seed that was maybe like the beginning point, if you will. Yeah. And there was all these initial iterations of basically designing an experience that would be maybe more engaging or something that people might walk away from their first experience with X. Cause that's really like all we have. And yeah, a lot of us, a lot of other products, that's kind of all they have, right? Like you, you unscrew the top on the, a new soda beverage and you take a sip. If it's not good, <laughs> you, you don't come back. Right. Right. Um, but there's all these heady reasons why philosophically everything I just described is not the right pursuit for meditation. And those uh, really dogmatic and mindful tradition would say, oh, even at your starting point, like I disagree with the premise, right? 
but it was with great empathy for the user that I wanted to design something that um, people felt like felt good after their first experience. And so the initial strikes were things like I grew up in a um, religious household. I grew up Muslim, um, grew up praying. That was our form of meditation. And um, uh, it's like every bit of mantra meditation. And uh, my examples of it early on, the deepest experiences I had with prayer was going to the mosque and doing it with many, many other people who were there with the same intention sure. and doing it in a beautiful, awe-inspiring space. And so my initial hacks at it were just that. I said, well, maybe the problem is that people are out doing this isolated alone on an app. And maybe what I need to do is just get everyone together and, um, get us in a beautiful space and, and then, you know, hit and ran that a couple times. And luckily I had a decent bit of social capital at the time. So it filled up a couple rooms, but uh, <laughs> you could tell that people wouldn't be back on their own volition. So, so I started playing with other techniques and modalities that I, I knew were more either engaging or immediate um, things that th throttle your nervous system pretty directly, like breath work and things that, address your um, brainwave state very directly, like sound and overtone emitting instruments. Um, started playing with music and curation of music because I was DJing at the time with my friend, shout out Ariel. <laughs> and, uh, I was doing breath retentions and yeah, anyway, just started to do the, do the becomings of what became a, uh, our first class, which is called Breath and Sound, and we still teach it here in Venice at our first location. So yeah, started running, started running pop-ups, um, started teaching the classes myself, thanks to my co-founder, Peter Sang. He's like, look, if we really want to design this thing, um, he joined after a, a couple iterations of this, and he's like, if you really want to turbo boost it, he's first engineer of DoorDash, by the way. Wow. Uh, and the... Uh, you know, investor at SV Angel for a while. So he'd seen like 10,000 companies while he was there. Um, and so he brought, he's like, Hey man, we got to start teaching these classes if we want to design it faster. So we started doing that and, you know, we sold out pretty quickly. We started just selling them all out. And what uh, was the time frame of, of that? Would you say 2019? Yeah. And I, I skipped over this whole walkabout. I did in 2018 where I was going out and researching the landscape. I had been a consumer of all these things and practitioner for, uh, at that point for, you know, a decade in these modalities and then grew up in the, with a sure. more of a spiritual context to it. But, uh, but I spent like a good year investing in trainings and re retreats and stuff that I didn't even I wasn't even necessarily actually interested in doing yeah, for R and D understanding &D. what's out there. What are people being met with? What are, yeah. How is this being communicated? How is this being positioned? Um, so did that. And, uh, and then we started running these pop-ups and it, it really was a, like an experiential lab, if you will. And, um, you know, eventually started bringing other teachers on in that environment and ran over a hundred of them at least. And, sold them all out, ran big experiences, 300 person experiences at the planetarium. And then, yeah, and we kind of, what we cultivated through that and all those repetitions and, um, now where it's, it's interesting because I have to ask, because, you know, being in the, in the space that I'm in and, you know, always looking for the, next new and exciting thing, right? And and focusing primarily in the healthy lifestyle space and wellness. I was in, in like, I feel like it was like 2017, 2018, where like Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about like meditation and mindfulness is like the next right. frontier. And he kept kind of like saying that. So I, I'm always interested in, in listening. I don't really listen to, to Gary much, uh, today, but you know, in that time frame, I was listening to him, and he was always talking about meditation and mindfulness, and just how important it is, and mental health, and things of that nature. And 
um, you know, coming through like a real spike in boutique fitness, you know, personally being in that space and, you know, all of the, the bigger, more well-known concepts, just, uh, growing like wildfire, you know, I kind of through listening to Gary and, and watching what's going on, everybody's talking about meditation, but people like myself at that time are making excuses as to why we don't meditate. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, but I'm like, I can't quiet my mind. I'm so busy. You know, that was around the time I had the first float tank experiences, nice. you know, like just getting yeah. it, it into, uh, you know, into that type of stuff, testing that stuff out. And then my first experience really was headspace, you know, just yeah. kind of sitting there and guided meditations and, you know, yep. so were you here when you were doing that are paying close attention to like, I don't want to call it a trend, but you know, let's, let's say sure. like people kind of, you're also, you have the benefit of being in California where sure. it's like the wellness capital of the world, you know? So right. what's going on like in the inner circles in California at the time that you're doing this right. stuff? Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like is, are there other people you're meeting that are like, you know, also trying to do similar things. And, and is that yeah. how you're, you know, really getting, iterating those early stage ideas and research? Sure. Yeah. I think for me, again, it was, uh, I'll address it in two ways. One, just for me personally, I, I can't, and that's what I was saying when I was talking about that top down or bottom up approach. Right. Exactly. The bottom up approach for me was less about, trends and more about you know you know and that and if i'm embracing things that i'm really personally drawn to it's it's things that are classic things that are generational things that are iconic um and everlasting yeah and it, when i use those terms i'm reminded that you know meditation uh though has gained in popularity um and and thanks to you know, incumbents like Calm and Headspace, like that, you know, the app store drops around 2010, I forget exactly. Um, and right around then, both of those apps are there. And fortunately, unfortunately, they are timed um, with mental health in disarray, really, right? It's um, yeah. mental health disorders rising for the last decade, more than the last decade, uh, a pretty absurd rates um but less people like feeling comfortable talking about it then exactly yeah. and and i think for even in the way that you described it um i was similar in re-engaging with the practice in my early 20s less in a spiritual context less in a i'm stressed or anything like that but i was this young ambitious you know anything i can do to improve my performance and that was my gateway into what I realized was, you know, a much broader conversation I could have with the relationship between my mind and my body. Um, but that all that comes later. But yeah, I guess what I was, you know, personally, I wasn't out there seeking the next trend. Yeah, because that would have been the top down thing. Totally. The bottom, the bottom up thing was to find the hey, I could work on whatever I'm about to endeavor for 10 years and have a commercial failure. And I would have still had I still would have been proud about what I put out there in the world. I would have been having fun along the way. So that was kind of where I was interested. It was very in. purpose and passion driven. You weren't right. trying to like hack it together to, you know. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And just like, and part of that was because I was drawn to brands too. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're building a brand, you're not going out there and trying to hit some arbitrage necessarily. You're trying to think about something. You're designing something that, you know. People are going to have you're a almost an artist, right? Like, and, and you very much are, you know, you, you, you are a, uh, a very creative and spiritual person, but you have the intelligence and the, and the experience to be able to take either approach, which is what makes it really interesting. That's why I asked the question. Cause I yeah. know, I know you're doing it from your heart and yeah. not thinking about it, like you said, you know, Mackenzieing the fuck out of it, like exactly <laughs> yeah. that, right? Which you could if you wanted to. Right. So that's what's so like honest about, you know, the way that you created it. And of course I kicked the tires. 
Yeah. Right. Or like I also saw what like the McKinsey part of the brain comes out. Uh, they're getting a lot of we'll have to send them an invoice after this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the that part of the brain, of course, is there, too, and saying, oh, wow, this is this is a massive opportunity. This landscape actually I bet if you asked a bunch of VCs or, you know, people in the space, they would even describe it as crowded or that, oh, there's so many meditation apps in the in the app store or there's so many wellness companies or totally. you know, there's yeah. so much fitness studios. Right. Oh, it's so. And for me, I think and this is maybe sitting in the kind of more macro trend insight. I I saw that this wasn't this thing all of these were very narrow conversations that were, t- that were laddering up to a broader conversation and, and no one at the time, frankly, let me just say it point blank yeah. <laughs> with, with a little bit of ego yeah. and no one at the time was having that conversation. Yeah. And so that to me was, that was the hundred foot wave was. It's interesting too, because I think, you know, to your point, like, yeah, there are things out there, but nothing that you were doing, existed and and you know from that standpoint it seems early you know exactly exactly like i I, that's exactly how i was describing it and especially with modalities like breathwork breathwork is was genuinely nascent and again it feels silly to call anything related to it as a trend because it also has been around for thousands of years or as early as your breath if you want to yeah awareness so like (laughs) it's silly to say it's something that uh is trending it feels silly to say it even though it is but at the time at the time when we're when we rented space in debose triangle in san francisco and we were running these classes i can assure you it was not a it was not a popular thing and even those who were aware of it did not at all have like have dreams of uh, taking it mainstream because especially some of those experiences that like in kind of the longer format uh, breath and sound experience, they're bigger experiences. They're transformational in nature. And, um, and so, yeah, there, it, it just wasn't something that people were thinking was able to be popularized or able to be brought to the mainstream. Yeah. But again, those are in the narrows of the techniques and the modalities that, you know, they're, they all work and they all deserve their shine in the light. And, you know, whoever's working on any piece of them, it's incredible. And, uh, they're on my team. And this, I think that again, to just speak to what the broader opportunity was now, now there's brands, especially bigger brands are, you can see their brand positioning kind of catching up to this, uh, you know, fitness companies are starting to talk about life and, how it's not just about this or that. And so it's funny because oftentimes when I'm having a conversation about fitness or boutique fitness, people will say, well, no, you know, wellness, like, you know, fitness, like it's like (laughs) now everybody's like imposing wellness on like, you're not just working out. You have to take care of your brain. Like it's, you know, that's what it's really becoming because I also don't think that there's not that many exciting fitness concepts out there. So it's like, There's a lot yeah. more wellness concepts, you know, at least it seems like right now than there are just straight fitness. People are hungry. You know, as we move our way up Maslow's pyramid and, you know, and it's with acute awareness of, you know, the spectrum of on a, on a global stage of where people sit on that. But, you know, if we're just to narrow the conversation to the U.S., a generally uh, wealthy nation you know, we have people that have a lot of their basic needs met. Um, you know, it's only natural to move up the pyramid and people are hungry for ways to improve themselves. People are hungry for ways to have a better relationship with their life and their life experiences. Um, people, we have information age has thrusted us into a state of intellectualizing our human experience and laggard are the tools to be able to actually grapple with it 
and and that's what we you know are working on and a lot of the people that you mentioned in the landscape are also working on I, well, I think it's interesting too, because the timing, I, I think your timing is almost perfect if that's such <laughs> a thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, you know, again, like 10 years ago, five years ago, people wouldn't openly say that they even deal with anxiety, you know, like people right. were not comfortable with the vulnerability around that. And I feel like the pandemic really accelerated like the conversation around mental health and lifestyle and, you know, all the things where people had to like think long and hard, like, you know, do I really want to continue living this way um, and looking for tools to help them, you know, maybe cope with everyday stress uh, and, and, you know, decide again how they want to live. And, and it's become way more accept widely accepted and, and okay to say, you know what, I, I struggle. Like I'm not, I'm, I need to do certain things to feel good. And this is one of them. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you for actually <laughs> zooming us out because it's easy to forget. This is one of those things that I think about here and there is I miss being naive to the space Again, I I'm, I wasn't in this quote unquote, the industry of this work yeah. until a few years ago, and I I miss those fresh set of eyes that realize those things. I spend so much of my day with people that are so in the culture of this and so openly, you know. But you're so right, and um, and that was you know that was one of the gifts of that experience that we had collectively as it was this giant control variable that took us from this momentum of everything that was happening faster, bigger, this, you know, and it just, and gave us all that observational perspective and okay, what are we actually sitting with? <laughs> what, it, what, it, and I think it really elucidated a lot for a lot of people. I know for me personally, my relationship with my social life, my, you know, some core relationships I had in my, I mean, there was so much turnover. So no, there was, a, there was a grand reset. And um, I do think we're prime. I think that there's a readiness and there's an open-mindedness to these things. And, you know, I, I, I hope that we do a great job on the side the folks that are providing these services and these spaces and these experiences. I hope that we continue to up the ante on the empathy for um, our customers, our consumers, our users, um, by being really careful about the language we use and how we market these things so that they don't alienate people and, uh, you know, everyone feels welcome and every, it, these practices have a way of feeling intimidating. These spaces have a way of feeling intimidating. And so um, the North Star should be, shouldn't be some egoic pursuit of being the best of every this and, and, you know, brand everything in a way so that it's different and better and best, but uh, more to make it just simple. And, you know, I, I kind of weirdly fantasize that uh, if somebody liked an experience at open that, they would be able to go to somewhere else and look at their menu and, and find a similar thing. <laughs> uh, if that makes sense, you know, sure. like that ubiquity that I spoke to early on, um, you know, it's easy to villainize massively scaled brands and systems and, uh, say, Oh, McDonald's is not healthy for you or Burger King is not healthy for you. Or this fast food is, but there's something to learn. And uh, at the end of the day, the user can go up to one joint and order a cheeseburger and go to another place and order a cheeseburger. And they'll be yeah. reliably delicious and you know what you're going to get. And that's what we need to do with these practices. Uh, yeah. People need to be as uh, familiar and with breath work, for example, as, as a cheeseburger. And they know exactly how they want it, how they like it with ketchup or with cheese or, and whole onions. <laughs> and uh, I like the 30 minute format versus the 60 minute format, or I like the yeah. everyday stuff. And today people don't have that vocabulary yet. 
Yeah, um, which is why but, I think it is still early, regardless of the fact that it's been around a very long time. You know, it's it's only really starting to gain, you know, awareness in the States. And yep. so you, you after the the events that you're putting on, where do you go? Like, how does the app get created? And then when you yep. start thinking about the physical space? Right. Yeah. So new even, you know, before we were putting on those pop ups, as I mentioned, Pete came on pretty early and so and he was our CTO. So knew we wanted to develop a brand and that brand we knew uh, wanted to communicate itself both on and, and offline. And so on the other side of all those experiences and we felt like we had really developed a perspective on the content itself, we went and raised some institutional capital and, and described this vision of this brand that we wanted to create. and. Um, and got just amazing partners on board that saw that vision and, and kind of stand by that vision to this day. Um, and which was not a popular, uh, popular play to go pitch physical brick and mortar locations alongside building out an app ecosystem. Um, and then eventually, you know, retreats and things like that, that, um, but that's the magic of the heyday and the magic of that ecosystem and that um, I'm so excited to be a part of, um, you know, builders, innovators, technologists that are kind of creating the creating our future. So, yeah, so they so we're very fortunate to have great partners and we were off to the races and we started looking for physical locations. You're going to smile at this, Jay. We were looking at physical locations in January of 2020 and recruiting engineers at the same time. And, yeah. um, we plan God laughs. And so, you know, and we were looking for locations in San Francisco. So that's where the first location would have ended up being. Um, but that how whole, did you, how did, how did you, uh, transition that to Venice? It was summer of that year. I'd gotten out of a long relationship and, I'd long, I'd at this point been in San Francisco for six or seven years and kind of, yeah, I'd, I'd moved around a lot in, with PepsiCo in, yeah. in particular. So six, seven years felt like a lifetime and it was, it was time. It was time basically. And I want, I wanted to move down to LA and I was like, oh man, like. I wish we could move the company down to LA. And then I remembered that I was a CEO and that I could make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> and so You're like, I should um, tell somebody I should make, put a request in. <laughs> <laughs> but there was something um, about the company. Or, I mean, I, I did justify it on paper too, which was two things. One, we had just started to recruit teachers. We had, we had relationships in working with teachers before that, but we were, about to bring on full-time teachers and we were we were having a global conversation around it um and you know people talking to people in new york talking to people in australia and in canada and we were making the hard pitch to move to san francisco um and that wasn't the early innings to those conversations were not going well um and then i started to reveal kind of my my forward thinking and hey what if it was la and everyone's like yeah i'd move to la so just that teacher recruitment thing at the time, that that was an element of it. And the other element was for the app. Um, and in generally, we knew that it was really important given how we work and how we develop product that we needed a really creatively driven organization and creative production and creative talent down in LA is, is very different um, and abundant in LA. So yeah. those are kind of the two business reasons that we justified it. But now looking back, like I couldn't imagine how it could not have been um, the first location had been born in, in LA. And so we worked on the app for about a year before we had like a web app out there during COVID to, to be of service, but our iOS app then launched a year after. And uh, we were in LA at that point and, you know, we're running pop-ups on and off as yeah. we could until we launched our first location in Venice beach, which, which couldn't be more perfect. That's pretty cool. It's, it's very cool. 
<laughs> it, it, yeah. Seeing a lot of spaces and rarely being taken back by the beauty of, of a physical space. It's beyond beautiful. Thank you, Jay. It means, means a ton more coming from you. Um, I remember when you first visited, I, I was eager to, to get yours and Doug's feedback. Um, but you know, we're, we're lucky. We, uh, you know, we, um, we got to dream about how it could look rather than have to justify its existence right away. Sure. I think that's the buffer that we, um, that's a buffer we were seeking um, when we said we had this kind of grand ambition for what we wanted to build. And it, you know, building technology, building an app from scratch in house to be able to kind of direct features and design the way that you want to. It's very expensive <laughs> doing yeah. the location that um, people could feel like they could both sweat in as well as have a kind of conscious shifting experience and maybe even come into contact with their spirituality sure. and have that happen in the same space. That's kind of an expensive endeavor as well. So, um, so yeah, all of, all of those things are just almost logistics to enable what it is that we're really trying to do here. And, um, yeah, you're sitting, we're talking right now, it's November, 2023. And I'm, I'm very excited to see that people are responding to it. And, um, feeling a ton of urgency to, to get more locations out there and, um, and have more people on the app and far more things to come. A lot of exciting things to come Be before we jump. Uh, there's also a hot and cold component in the yeah. studio. And how did that come about? What were your thoughts there about bringing that, you know, it wasn't really, I don't think, you know, it, it's become ridiculously popular everywhere you could turn, but you did it really before that. Where, where did that idea come? Yeah, just my, well, again, bottoms up. So starting from a place of just shit I love and yeah. I love a hot. I like a cold. I, I like a more, I like an ocean plunge. Let's sure. put it that way. And then people started getting in baths. I'm like, okay, I guess that, <laughs> that does it too. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and the and the studio, as you know, is not so accidentally located right next to the beach oh, for yeah. that reason. So love an ocean plunge and love a sauna. Just love love the heat in yeah. general. L.A. is too cold for me. Let's put it that way. Um, but you know, from a content perspective and and what we stand by at Open and you know the themes of presence and connection, themes of longevity, themes of um, mind and body modalities uh, that get you into certain states, then, you know, hot and cold, both, you know, we don't need to go through the, the scientific literature here. No, um, A lot of our compatriots are doing that for us. And, um, and so it just felt like it's something I loved and it's something that people um, were more and more aware of the health benefits of it. And so I, from a, again, to hit on that trend note, I, I think this is what's exciting about kind of the health influencers that are having rise now is yeah. that we're taking things that felt confusing. I think people were thinking, oh, our sauna is even good for me. Or, you know, there's a, there was a lot of um, misinformation and confusion out there. And, and now we know that these things have tangible downstream impacts on your health today and tomorrow and so it, it the way we see it is it's an it's a kind of ancillary thing that supports uh what we do in the practice space yeah uh, and it's something that people want and might not have space for in their own home and it's something that fits really well with our program so that's yeah kind of how no, it, it's great too because i you know even my myself like i pay attention to the health benefits for sure yeah. but it just, like when, when I get into a conversation about cold plunging or, or, you know, contrast and things of that nature, the reality is it just makes me feel good. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I happen to feel really good when I get out of really cold water, you know, right. like I feel great. Right. Uh, right. Whether or not I'm going to live a few extra years as a result of it, like amazing if that's the case, but it just makes me feel good. I'm yeah. 
you know? And that's And that's something, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's everything, man. Like, at, <laughs> you know, at, at, I have a birthday coming up at the end of the week. And yeah. it's like, you know, every every year that goes by, I realize that, you know, the purpose of being here is to have some sort of an impact on this place. Right. Like like hopefully it's a little bit different because you're here you know, then, then it would be if you weren't. And, and I feel that way. And I think everybody should look at life that way. Um, so they're not just so focused on themselves, right? Yeah. Like, like what could we do collectively to make other people feel better? Right. Yeah. Like that, that's pretty cool. And that's why I really enjoy spending time with you. I think it's, uh, likewise brother. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And there's a lot of, you know, I feel blessed to be working with you and uh i'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks yes sir and and uh, so before we jump i believe we also have a a promotion for folks which when the episode comes out we'll we'll put in uh we'll put in there but uh where can everybody find more information on open yep you can find us in the app store uh you can look under open and add mindfulness or breath work or meditation, any of those terms, and uh, you'll be able to find us there. Um, you know, check us out on Instagram, on our website. And in person? And in What's person the address? At, at 57 Market Street in Venice, nine. Come see us. We cannot wait to host you. And I highly suggest that you do, you do just that because there is no other place like it. <laughs> and, uh, Right, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for, for, for joining us today. Wonderful discussion as always. Likewise. Thank you for reminding us to live better. Thank you, brother.